This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Alright, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about the soil. Because you're always like, well, you know, we don't spend enough time talking about the dirt. You know, so there's that whole grounding movement and hippies and the whole thing. Well, I don't know if we're going to exactly get into that, but I do want to talk about what makes good soil. And, you know, we all live in different parts of the country and, and even in the same part of the country from house to house or you know, garden plot to garden plot, your soil can change and things are different and how you grow. And, you know, sometimes you're like, well, I just can't make my garden work for me. You know, sometimes it gets like that. And the answer is the soil really makes a difference. Um, sometimes people live in like microclimates and you might have little different temperature and your, you know, plants might flower a little later than your neighbors or whatever. It might not be that you're doing something wrong. It can be a little bit with the temperature. But one of the key fundamentals to a good garden is understanding your soil. And I got to say, growing your own food, that has a little bit to do with survival and prepping. Um, When it comes to long-term survival, it actually being able to reproduce and make more food is a big thing. Um, also, it's very hard to keep nutrition up with long-term food storage. Um, we can plan and store vitamins and things like that, but obviously growing and producing fresh food is going to you know, be able to up your vitamins and nutritional input. So I figure we just kind of jump into it. So one of the things, um, good organic soil will be like rich in humus, which is organic material. Um, You know, humus is like the end result of decaying material like leaves, grass clippings, compost. 
It also should hold the soil. It should hold moisture very well. Um, right. When you pick up dirt, it should be loose and fluffy and filled with air. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's like the ideal. And they, they call that loam. Loam is, is the, the dream garden soil. And we all kind of just want to get to that point where, you know, it's the perfect pH, has the right nutrients in it. It's airy and, you know, and just kind of does what it should. So there's a couple of ways you can go about it. Um, one of the, the best ways, and obviously we're going to talk about compost and things like that, that has a big, you know, part of, of our, un, you know, utilizing our soil. Because remember, I pointed out that there's, you know, rich in humus, right? So a lot of compost in there, a lot of, you know, stuff that's decaying and, and full of, you know, nitrogen and, and things like that, that's gonna, you know, help out. That used to be the big thing would be to put nitrogen in the soil. And, uh, you know, that the farmers, that's, you know, one of the things they did to get plants to grow quickly, even though they may, you know, maybe lose a little nutritional value. Um, Because they get it to grow quickly, but you don't have all the other supporting things there, you know, that actually benefit it. So anyway, one of the first things you can do to, uh, you know, work out your soil is you can get it tested. Now, if you're like me, you, you don't do that kind of thing. But luckily, my wife is smarter than me on that kind of thing. And she went and got it tested anyway. So my, oh, that sounds complicated and like something I shouldn't do. Um, So, you know, everybody knows like you have like a a cooperative extension somewhere near where you live for your county. And like it'll be for, you know, the state will have one and then it's broke up in like regional offices all around. Your cooperative extension will do the testing for you. Um, So some places actually do it for free. Typically, they charge anywhere from like eight to sixteen dollars. I've never heard of anybody charging more than like twenty dollars to get your soil tested. Um, the way that you want to get a sample to take your your you know uh, get it tested, you're going to want to. Um, now I have like too many notes. I actually did too much research. Well, I know a lot of people. A lot of people. Um you know, that have lawns and that the place has been a lawn for a long time and you've yeah. constantly been, can, been cutting it, the grass kind of composts with the, you know, on the, t- yeah. the top little bit of soil. So you're going to have, generally speaking, your lawn is going to be great soil for like the first six inches. And then you're going to start getting into the real soil that's underneath. I know I've got great soil for about three or four inches and then it's all rock and clay underneath that. Uh, right, the and that, that been there, and it's just been you know cut and composted and cut and composted, <laughs> but it doesn't really create a great soil. soil it's just, is. Right, right. Um. So yeah. So to to get a good mix of it, what you want to do is you want to go to about ten different places in the yard in the garden. So all in where you're going to be working. You know, if your garden is going to be a hundred feet long, you're going to want to pick like ten random spots. And you're just going to dig down about six inches and take a scoop of the dirt and, Mm -hmm. you know, like a six inch scoop. And you're going to throw it all in a bucket and from about 10 different locations. And you're going to mix it all up kind of with your hands and break it up and kind of stir it up. That's what you want to do. So it's a general mix of what you have in the area. 
All right. Now, right. and I'm not saying like all around your property, I'm saying all around your garden, you know, where right. you're, where you're doing your, your stuff. And, you know, like I said, even if that's a hundred feet long, that's where you should be taking your sample. Um, mm -hmm. I know we had two that are maybe separated by, I don't know, probably about a hundred yards and our two gardens. And we actually did a uh, soil test on both. We went, you know, had, and we actually got different results from the both. So, um, and your soil test has a lot of neat things. One, it's going to have the pH, but it's also mm -hmm. going to have like better descriptions of what minerals and nutrients you're going to have in there. And your local farm people will be able to tell you like, like ours came back, like they asked what you're going to do. Like we specified, you know, this is going to be a flower garden. This is going to be a vegetable garden. So on the report that we got back, it has like an optimum pH range, um, which ours, you know, it says it should be between 5.8 and 6.5. Um, mm -hmm. You know, ours came back at, at 5.5. So in our case, it says like lime recommendations, you know, to raise the pH, it says 60 pounds per thousand square feet. So you can do the little bit of math. But I mean, so for 10 bucks, having stuff like that is kind of neat, you know, to be able to say, hey, you're telling me exactly what I need to do. Um, it had like a, a phosphorus index and, you know, we were a little low on the phosphorus. They, they again, wanted optimum to be 50 to 70 and it ended up coming back like 39. Um, potassium was 50, you know, so but they talk about what you can do to raise it and different things like that. So, and, and they actually recommend, you know, what nutrients you might want to add and what might grow well in that area. So it's pretty cool to be able to have it kind of laid out in front of you and know what you're supposed to do. Now, right. for those of you who don't, um, you know, go along with that getting tested because you're like, you know, I'm just too lazy to make that phone call and figure out where that is and drop off some dirt and yeah. get some I'm answers. I'm 100% on that. You know, I, that team. Yeah. You're the, yeah. I'm going to do it on my own. Okay. So yeah, I'll just, I'll just got, fuck up and fuck up and fuck up until I get it right. Right. That's, that's, that's definitely seems to be the norm and, you know, the stubborn man way. Right. And, right. and that's how I am. Like I, I would have never in a hundred years gotten to the point where I was testing my soil, but I guess my wife takes it a little more seriously and actually wants to produce real results. And yeah, uh, she wants, wants uh, to make it actually work. Yeah. Yeah. Now one, one and, way, yeah, you, you know, turns that, out you want it to work. Go ahead. Yeah. One way you can, you can yeah. raise your uh, pH is uh, wood ash that, cause that, actually has a lot of lime in it but yeah i fucked up i did that once and dug up you know my fire pit there and mixed yeah. it in with my soil it was way too much way too much yeah. a little bit goes a long way yep yep so when you're mis mixing it it's a, it's good to mix it in with some compost to do that um but i would recommend i would recommend testing your ph before you go doing anything like that and get the stuff from the get the stuff from the garden store. Don't, don't try and do it yourself. Cause you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And when you buy bags of different chemical stuff at the garden store, they all have different numbers. Mm -hmm. um, they tell you about, you know, the way it's going to affect the outcome. Um, and it doesn't take that much research. You know, it's funny 
my wife and I, uh, when we we first, you know, she's really into gardening and, and it ends up being a good, you know, kind of perfect match where, you know, hunter and uh, I'm, I'm all, you know, survival protection hunter and she's got the whole growing and uh, thing going, you know, the whole other end of it. And she doesn't mind spending the hours out in the sun all day and, and cooking. I don't know. That's a little much for me. It ends up dragging me out a little more than I'd like, but it turns out when I used to live in New York, we uh, lived around a bunch of hippies. I don't know, patchouli, the whole thing, right? So right. one of the local colleges there had uh, a uh, in some some small farm kind of guy come who wrote a book and and coming to speak. Actually, I guess it was the wife that wrote the book, and we we're gonna go check him out and whatever. And we're at this lecture and I mean, these people are all like from Woodstock and shit. So these are, are like real hippies and we're out there and, and the guy's like, yeah, you know, I do this to garden and this is what I did to, you know, raise the pH and different things. And they're talking about the dirt and, and all aspects of farming. So it was pretty broad in a three hour lecture, you know, different things that, that you can do. And this lady just like keeps raising her hand and the guy's trying to ignore her. You could tell. And, and finally, he, he's like, what, what can I help you with? And she's like, well, what about the soil? And he's like, well, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, what are you doing to preserve the soil? And he's like, look, lady, I'm doing everything I can just to keep my farm going. I can't mm. care about the soil, too. But I got to tell you, if you really put your focus on the dirt, it's going to make a big result. Mm-hmm. in the end and i think he knows that later um you know we've seen subsequent books that whatever and and it really does uh you know make a change so um we're gonna get into compost in a minute but there's basically three different types of soil all right so you're either gonna have clay sandy soil or loam and as mm-hmm. i mentioned previously loam is kind of the dream you know soil of right, what that's like. the ideal soil. Um, so what you're going to do is uh, there's three like basic tests that you can do on your own that you can do just because you listen to this podcast instead of contacting your local, uh, you know, hippie compound. Uh, so the first thing is the squeeze test. Mm. So you could do the same thing where you kind of take that sample of dirt and you want to pick up a handful of soil that's kind of moist, but not like wet. So you don't want to go out like right after it rained, but you also don't want to be, you know, at five o'clock after the sun's been all day and, you know, and it's just cooked because it hasn't rained in a week because that's going to give you different results when you do this test. But basically you want to take a handful of the dirt and if it holds up, like when you squeeze it in your hand, if it holds its place and then when you touch it, it'll crumble. That's loam. That's the perfect dirt. All right. So you want to squeeze it. It makes that firm shape like a fist when you open your hand. And then if mm-hmm. you kind of poke at it, it should just kind of crumble apart. Right. Um, they say like, like cookie crumbs, you know, just kind of break into pieces. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, if you squeeze it and it holds its shape, But then when you poke at it, it just kind of stays in its shape. Like when you push your finger in it, it just kind of indents. That's clay. That's a no-go. Now, clay actually has a lot of nutrients. 
and is very good for that. So you're right. starting out with like a healthy soil, I would say, but you're going to end up having to do things to get air and work on drainage and you're going to have to work for it with clay. Right. Clay it doesn't is, mean is, it can't, can't be done. Yeah. Clay is also good because it holds moisture. It holds the yes. water there. And, uh, you know, if you're in a drier climate, uh, clay is, is, is a good base to start with. Right. You know, if that's yeah. your when soil, it's really it, hot, clay is not the end of the world. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's easy to change, but it's a lot easier to change when you can go to the store or you can do things as opposed to trying to change it when you're trying to figure out survival. So think about right. it like that. Um, the last type is when you squeeze your hand and you open your hand and it just falls apart. That's going to be sand. All right. So next is a percolation test. For this, you're going to want to dig a hole six inches wide and a foot deep. Fill the hole with water and let it drain out completely. Fill it again and let it drain out. Now, if there's still water in there after four hours, you have bad drainage and you're going to have a problem. And mm -hmm. if you have very clay soil, you're going to typically have that kind of problem where you have that slower drain. So that's something you want to, you know, address. Now, obviously you're going to want to get air into the, uh, into the soil. So we're going to talk about different ways to do that in a minute. And that's something, you know, you're going to need to do the last thing, last test you can do. And again, these kind of don't really tell you the pH, but this last one might get you in the right neighborhood. So the next is the worm test. So you need to go out when the soil is 55 degrees or warmer. So you're not going to go out in the winter time, that kind of thing, right? And obviously, you know that the ground is cooler than, you know, the air. So just keep that in mind. Um, you want the soil to be moist again, but not soaked. Uh, mm -hmm. So typically, if you go out in the morning, you're going to get this kind of thing. So dig a square foot hole and pull that dirt out and throw it in a bucket or on some cardboard or something like that. And then break it up with your hand, all the dirt. Now, believe it or not, you should find at least 10 worms inside that square foot of dirt mm -hmm. or you're lacking organic matter or your soil's too acidic. It's one or the other. And I, I can't really help you on which one um, of, you know, the organic matter or acidic, you got to kind of figure out the pH. Now right. I do have one more test for you. And this one, I, I know it'd be good if I had like a clever joke about something you could do, but I, I don't have anything like that for you today. So then the last one is going to be reading the field. Believe it or not, you can look at a field and tell the soil by what's growing in it. Mm, that's true. And you can look at the type of plants. Um, a few individual weeds don't mean much for the consistent population. But if you find a bunch of the same type of plants, it'll tell you what's going on. So um, the growth characteristics of weed can tell you much about you know, the soil. So you have a lot of different things. Um, corn flowers will be blue on soils with high pH and pink on acidic soils. So it's kind of like a pH litmus test, 
right? Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of daisies, believe it or not, that actually means that you kind of have poor drainage. Um, there's a lot of neat things. So you can actually look online and, and look up, uh, you know, reading the field and right. see if you can figure out, you know, some of the different stuff on there. It's pretty cool. Um, I'll see if I can drop some other good bits on you here. Cause again, this is my, uh, um, uh, perennial sow, thistle and docks both indicate wet areas, but docks prefer more acidic soil while thistle is like a higher pH. Mm -hmm. Um, vigorously growing lemongous or leguminous. I don't even know how to speak leguminous weeds such as clovers are a sign that soil nitrogen is low. I actually have some areas with a lot of like clovers growing on. Um, mm -hmm. Stunted yellowish weeds of these t of other types may indicate the same thing, that low, you know, nitrogen. So these are all things you can kind of look at. And there's other ways to do it, you know, to figure it out by looking at different plants. So that's something to consider. So now that you kind of have been able to determine your soil, now let's talk a little bit about what we can do about it. So remember I said kind of the key to good soil is a lot of organic material. Now, right. organic material is compost, right? So basically compost is a pretty cool thing here. So what you're doing is compost is decaying. Believe it or not, it's decaying plant and animal matter. Right. So... I always, I don't know, the animal matter kind of sounds new to me, you know, like you don't think of like dead animals as part of your, uh, you know, your well, Let me tell you, let me just give you a bit of advice on that. When you're doing your compost bin, don't Tell's ever throw, it. don't ever a throw meat in there. Animal. It's just going to no? stink like, it's going to stink like dead shit, you know? Um, you, you don't want that. Yeah. Feed the, feed your meat scraps to the dog, throw, throw it in the garbage. Don't, don't compost it. It's not worth it. There's going to be oh. dead shit in there from, from bugs and different stuff. That'll be enough. Exactly. And, and that's fine. Don't, and, you know, when your cat brings home a fucking squirrel, don't throw its body in your, in your compost bin. Cause it's just going to be, like, be disgusting. Oh, it is going to be disgusting. I'd have to give you that. So the um, people also worry about how to get it to break down quickly. Now there's a lot of different things on that. The first, I mean, I've definitely read, you know, different people have different ideas of what makes good compost. Right. I, I've definitely read books about people who are like, you know what, shredded leaves are the key to great compost and you don't really want anything else. Now, I've never I've heard, heard anybody, either. you have or have not. I've heard that bullshit too. Yeah. Okay. And yes, that's so, a good way to do it. Yeah. If you, if you want to have a compost bin and don't want to do a whole lot of work and have it actually yeah. work out perfectly without any effort, then Cut up leaves and, and grass will be fine. Now, the but big thing you just turned Kevin note, though, is cut up, right? right? So that that's actually a big thing. So if you just put solid leaves that you rake up out of your yard, it's going to take time. Um, and it's going to be a wet, slimy mess, and it's it's going to take a lot longer to do it. To now, if you're really turning it over and working it and doing it, you, you may be able to get there with your stacked up leaves within a year or whatever. That's mm -hmm. going to happen. But if you can cut those up with the lawnmower or they have those chipper shredders, if you can get it, um, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Anything you can do to break it up. 
Um, you also, if you're mixing in, like I was actually got lucky where the property I bought, they hadn't raked certain areas of the yard in like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Turns out I had some great composting leaves out there, you know? Right. You just got to dig underneath going. a little bit and you're good. You pull them up and they're all like a quarter inch squares, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is gold right here, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you get all excited. You, you wouldn't think you'd get so excited about compost. But uh, so, you know, but having that mixed in, having the new and the old will help the the new stuff break down faster, too, is, is a nice thing. Um, so you're going to want to put it in a pile. Now, you want it in kind of a warm area. But believe it or not, if it's actually too hot and too much direct sunlight, it, it'll end up slowing it down because the bugs won't be able to hang out there. It can actually get too hot where it cooks them and makes it uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so compost, Kevin, tell us some of the things you can put in compost. So we got grass, leaves. You do want a mix of um, both brown and green uh, green mm-hmm. is going to add the nitrogen and the stuff to, you know, kind of get the bugs going and, and do some exciting stuff. It's actually the decomposing process that's going to heat it up and, and make things go quicker. So right. adding those other things will really help. Uh, I know we can put coffee grounds in there. Um, what else coffee you got? Coffee grounds like, are great. Eggshells. Um, <sighs> you can put almost, you could be surprised at the amount of stuff you can put in there. As, as gross as you want to be, that's as you can put nail clippings in there. You Ooh, can put fun. dog hair, you know, hair in there. You know, from not hair, hair is actually really good for a compost pile, as right. gross as that is. Right. Um, yeah. All your, your trimmings, when you're trimming uh, vegetables and stuff, I keep a little compost, uh, a little um, container underneath my sink. When every time I cut up vegetables and stuff, I put uh, all the stuff I'm discarding in there, banana peels and, and uh, that sort of stuff. It's great for it. Um, but you know, you're not going to, if you st- stick only to that, you're not going to do well. Uh, Cause it's not, you're just not going to produce enough. Um, one thing I would say that fucks a lot of people up on compost is don't put your, your onions and your garlic in your compost bin. Cause that they're acidic enough that they're going to slow down the process. Okay. Uh, That's actually they're going to kill the note. bacteria off. Uh, same thing with citrus. Don't put uh, lemons or limes or any of those peels in there. Because it's, you know, that's going to slow down the process and the bacteria from growing. And yeah. you want to, you want your compost to be alive. So now, you don't want to put a, so stay away from the citrus, the onions and the garlic. As, uh, now, as even though favorite. Kevin's being a negative Nelly and telling you all the things that you can't put in your compost pile, I'm going to throw you a bone here and tell you, you know what the internet says, and I don't even know if this is true, but the internet says urine helps increase the nitrogen in a uh, really compost pile so if you're like i'm outside i have to pee in the compost pile and your wife's like no you shouldn't be peeing in the yard you're like well yeah i'm, I'm a team player here now for the garden yeah it's for the garden now now so actually ammonia, that will urine has a lot of nitrogen. ammonia and ammonia right. yeah ammonia turns into nitrogen so it can Correct. be beneficial um, I would not save up my piss for no. that specifically. No, I would not do that at all. You and will also actually remember have at some too point, much nitrogen. Yeah, you yeah. can have too much nitrogen. Yeah, and at some point you're going to want to put your hands in that compost to to Ooh. use it. So just keep that in mind. Also, maybe right. maybe uh, maybe just 
just take it easy on the piss right. and the compost. For, forget forget the whole urine thing. I was just trying to throw <laughs> you a bone there, but I did read that on the internet. Um, actually, that's one of the ways to tell if you have too much nitrogen in your compost is if it smells like ammonia. Um, mm-hmm. You know that you want to, and you can actually change that kind of process by adding um, uh, blood meal or something like that to slow down the, the nitrogen. Um, so the next thing is turning your compost frequently is going to make it go a lot quicker as far as the right. decomposing. I actually read things about in as little as 18 days, people have been able to get compost to, you know, kind of mature and, and, and be usable in the garden. But with turning it like seven times in that 18 days, and there's a whole process, I'm sure if you look online and search some kind of 18 day compost, I'm not really going for that. I don't, it sounds too quick and I want to make sure that the stuff is decomposed and really broke down before I, uh, you know, use it. Now, how do you know if your compost is good or ready? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll ask you, Kevin, in a minute here, but basically it should smell like earth. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of dirt smell that, you you know, you expect. Compost should be dark brown. Compost should be unidentifiable. And what that means is you shouldn't stick your hand in there and be like, hey, that's a banana peel. Right. Then it's, it's not good at, at that point. Oh, there's an apple core. Oh, you know, yeah. that used to be a uh, onion. That's not compost. That's not compost, right? That's not compost. Um, Once the compost is ready and you have mixed it up, you should be able to kind of, in a perfect world, I mean, you can just kind of take it out of the pile and whatever. But what I've seen people do is make a frame and they'll put something somewhere between chicken wire and hardware cloth with, Mm -hmm. you know, the right size hole and they'll sift it. And right. that dirt that comes through is going to be like gold. I mean, that right. really is going to be your dream compost right there. And then what they'll do is the stuff that doesn't sift through should go back into the compost pile that you're making for, you know, the next batch. Right. right. So that'll, you know, keep decomposing until it breaks down. So that's that's kind of what you're looking for. But right. now I, I do I do two compost bins. OK. Um, everything gets thrown into the first bin. And then, you know, maybe uh, once or twice a a month, I'll go out there and with a pitchfork and scoop all the big shit out of it. And that goes into the second bin. So that first bin is always going to have good, good shit in it. And that second bin is always going to be decomposing. Yeah. So I have. Yeah. So I have have a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Now you want to make sure your compost is getting air. Um. So you're not okay. going to like throw it in a garbage can or something like that. You're going to want to kind of pile it up so that the air can get to all the sides and uh, keep the air, you know, moving around it. But you also want to keep it damp. You don't want it all dried out. Right. So damp, but not soaking wet. So right. that's actually one of the cool things. When you go out to turn your compost, you're going to notice, hey, is it just look like dry powder? Because if it does, I should throw some water on there, right? With the sprinkler mm-hmm. and kind of, or, you know, the hose and, and kind of mix some in. But if you go out and it's a wet, soppy mess, you got another problem there too. 
So mm-hmm. you're going to want to find a way either you have it in too shady of a spot, you know, where it's just too much never drying it or, at all and never drying or, but again, the same thing, like when I'd mentioned about that kind of happy medium with sun, I mean, you kind of have to read the soil, if you will, mm-hmm. um, of, you know, how it's doing by when you're turning it and kind of judge, is it too wet? Is it just staying moist? Is it, you know, what is the, the nice level that you're getting at? These are all things you're going to want to kind of start judging and read as you're playing with the compost. Now, I actually got a cool tractor now with a little bucket and I lift some things so I can actually work my compost, except that turns out I'm not a master tractor driver yet. So I don't mix it up as well as I would like, but it's cool that I can take like this giant pile of leaves and move it, you know, from one section and turn it all over into the next section. And, you know, like Kevin said about having two different piles, you know, you can have the one kind of aging and maturing, and then you have the other one that's sitting. Now, once we get the organic matter into the garden, um, believe it or not, they say if you have clay, you might want as much as like six inches on top of the uh, of the clay to, and then mix it in to, right. you know, kind of get that perfect balance. Now, we also talked about pH, or did you have more on compost, or is that kind of... No, but uh, I would like, yeah, let's let's hit on real quick just uh, putting the compost in your soil like you were talking okay. about. You want right. to mix it in good with your soil. Um, what I like to do with my with my beds, whenever I'm building a, a new bed, yeah. is I like to uh, dig down a bit and, uh, you know, fill the bottom up. You know, I, I say dig down a bit. I mean, like a couple of feet. Oh, and then fill, yeah, fill underneath it with with, you know whatever. It doesn't have to be composted yet. You can just put, you know, leaves in there. I like to do uh, logs, old logs, because it, it holds the moisture in there. And uh, then fill on top of it with uh, with all your dirt, you know, and, and mix right. that in with the compost. And then you're, you're ready to go because that as those logs and those things decompose in the bottom, they're going to release nitrogen into the soil. So that means you can plant in that bed over and over again without having to redo the soil every year. That's, that is nice. Yeah. yeah, that's called Hugel culture is is what that is, is when you bury shit underneath your beds, uh, your garden beds that are going to decompose and hold mo- the moisture in the soil underneath um, year after year. Now, that's really, you know, something that pays off. And there's a lot more you can read about that and kind of, you know, delve in. We're just kind of covering. I mean, it's I I would say that we're covering a little more than basics, but Mm -hmm. they're kind of what should be basics to gardening and farming. But a lot of people don't really think about, you know, the dirt and how much that matters. You know, they'll throw a little compost or something like that in there. But there's really a lot to it and a lot to kind of take in. Um, Let me tell you just real quick, when you go to your your local gardening store, Lowe's or wherever, you're going to see bags. They'll sell bags of compost and you can buy it. And that's that's fine if you don't feel like doing all the composting yourself. But don't be that stupid bitch that goes and looks at the fucking two bags of compost. And one bag is a dollar fifty and the other bag is three fifty because it says organic on it. Ooh, I like organic. Yeah, no, you're just you're just fucking stupid if you're buying organic compost because all compost is organic. That's exactly 
you cannot be not organic with compost. Organic matter, huh? That's where right. you're going. That's with. just how that's just how it works. That all compost is organic. Don't pay a dollar an extra dollar fifty per bag because it says organic on the container. They're all organic. So just just a heads up. About. I just saw this basic bitch when I was at, at Lowe's the other day and she was looking at the compost bag the bags of composted dirt and going back and forth and she saw the one said organic on it. And so she went back and got all those ones, even though they're, you know, $5 more per bag. Uh, you're just wasting money. They're all organic. Just because it says it on the label doesn't mean anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, all right. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. So there's a couple other things that, that affect your soil. You know, we talked about the pH and, and the aeration. So we got the compost kind of covered. Let's talk about the pH. So pH, there's a couple things you can do. Well, one of the things that we're going to also touch on in aerating the soil is peat moss. Now, peat moss is going to actually raise the acidity a little bit. Mm -hmm. right. um, I also mentioned you could add lime. And, you know, I talked about, you know, what it said in my chart here about, you know, adding so much lime and that's going to be sprinkled and, and mixed in with the with the compost, you know, when you're setting up your garden. Um, there's also vermiculite. Um, now each thing has its own benefit. Uh, the reason you would use vermiculite as opposed to maybe peat moss is it's going to not raise the pH as much. However, you'll find that it's more expensive. Also, yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to mess with your pH, but it's going to hold a lot of moisture. Vermiculite is similar to that. You know, when you get a, uh, like a potted plant and it's got that little white shit in there. It's like yeah. uh, almost looks like styrofoam. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what vermiculite is. That's yeah. what it is. And you can mix no. it into your soil outdoors. It doesn't have to right. be, you know, your and potted both plants. are considered organic peat moss or, or vermiculite. So you don't have to worry about that for you, you know, those of you that were just offended by Kevin's previous comments. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so that you're safe there. But the thing is like, you can buy, like I, I think I looked on Amazon four cubic feet was like 39 bucks for a big bag that you could order. Now vermiculite will come with either calcium or magnesium in it. And mm -hmm. you kind of need to decide, um, you know, we have a lot of clay in our soil. So uh I know that my wife actually likes to add liquid calcium. So we would get vermiculite with maybe more magnesium as the, you know, solution to, you know, solving our problems. The, uh, the calcium is actually supposed to help break up the uh, clay, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the liquid calcium. So that's something right. to consider there too. However, like even in our situation, we end up adding uh, the, um, uh, we add, sorry, a lot of peat moss and we just, you know, add an appropriate amount of lime in order to balance that out, you know, to, to counter the acid. So, you know, that kind of thing, it's all a juggling act and trying to get it right. But that's why, you know, reaching out to your, you know, local cooperative extension or something like that, they can kind of give you pointers and believe it or not, they know your area. You know, it's funny when my wife went to ours, she talked to them and they were like, you know, she mentioned the town that we live in and she's like, yeah, we just bought a farm there. I'm going to do a flower farm. And the guy's like, I know this county. 
there isn't a farm out there that has been for sale in the last 20 years and whatever. The only one that it could possibly be is this property right here. And she's like, yeah, that's ours. And, Uh you know, I mean, it's like that. They know their area is my point. Right. It's the reason, you know, I tell you that story because it's, they know what's going on and what properties are there. And, you know, and the guy right away was like, oh, that's a horse farm and whatever. That's the only place you'd have the land and could do, you know, what you did. And Mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, that's us. And, oh, okay, that makes sense. And, yeah, I want to come out and see it. And, you know, these are people who actually care about, you know, gardening and planting and kind of want to get into stuff. So, you know, Mm -hmm. connecting with these people can really give you a better understanding. And these are people who, you know, they have the farmers coming and saying, hey, you know, this is destroying my crops or I'm having a real big problem with this. And they've been through the issues so they know what the solutions are. You know, you can learn from the people around you. And that's like the same idea is like, you know, being in that prepping badass group we have on Facebook or listening to the podcast. The idea is when we talk and work together as a community, you can understand what's going on and kind of learn from other people's failures and mistakes and other people's successes, you know, and that's how we kind of, you know, sort through it all and, and work together to be a better, you know, be a better situation. You know, you always, I was just watching a TV show and like, it was like, stuff like the skull and bones and things like that. Well, the reason that these people are so successful is because they work together and they talk about experiences and they help each other out. And that's what we should be doing, you know, in the farming community, in the survival prepping community, in the gun community, you know, you learn from each other's stuff. It's not about secrets. It's, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. We can mm-hmm. learn from each other and all benefit. And that's what right. it, you know, comes down to. That's something right. you don't always do have podcast, to be a cocky. You know? Yeah, you don't always have to be a cocky know it all. There's always somebody that that you well, can learn from. Fun. Save that, that for the fun. bar. Yeah. I mean that, there that, you go. that's the place for that. <laughs> um, you know, but when you want to come over and have cigars and sit around the campfire and drink whiskey, we can just kind of help each other out and be nice, you know? We'll go with mm-hmm. that. Um so that's the thing. I mean, we've met a lot of great people like Darren Taylor and, and, you know, at over at Murray mayhem and, and, uh, you know, Hamish and, you know, a lot of you guys, uh, kilo 23 there and, mm-hmm. you know, all these different people, uh, Chris over at the beard show, you know, all these mm-hmm. people we bring something else to, you know, the community and, and share different things. And that's cool. You know, it's, we really help each other. Uh, Kevin, you know, just reached out with, uh, over at um, Lloyd Bailey. Yeah. The arm Lutheran over there. You know, it's, it's always different, you know, stuff, different perspective, different areas, but we can help each other out. You know, it's like we talked in that, one of the most recent podcasts there that episodes, you know, that, you know, working together and helping each other out is what makes you strong. And as a country, if we're not divided and we work together, that's what will make us strong. You know, kind of unite in our similarities. You know, you might be like, hey, well, I do compost and and I'm all about organic and whatever. But somebody else might know a trick. Yeah, but you know what? I plant garlic around the outside of my garden to keep the deer out, you know, or whatever. Or I put a Oh, what the heck? Uh, there, there's different plants. Um, 
the little yellow freaking ones that my wife plants in the garden to keep the bugs and mosquitoes out. Um, no, I was thinking, uh, I don't know what the hell they are, but it doesn't matter. That's, that's my wife's business. But the idea is, you know, we work together to, you know, share ideas and get to the, you know, to the outcome that we want. And I think that's, you know, kind of what we do here and, and what we're trying to spread and, and make people, you know, aware of is, you know, hey, if we unite and work together, we're not looking to go to war or do battle with somebody. It's just the same. We prepare Marigold. to be ready and protect our family, you know? Yeah, sorry. But that's, are we good? I don't yeah, want to cause well, problems over there. One thing, uh, one thing I did want to touch on when we're talking about uh, uh, gardens. Now, this isn't soil related, Uh-oh. but... Uh, and I know a lot of you guys that listen are like the, uh, are the hippie types and you're going to be, I'll get angry emails about it, but poison. <gasps> There's so much great shit you can buy. That'll kill all the fucking bugs and all the nasty shit that wants to eat your, eat your plants. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of, uh, insecticides. Sorry. I just wanted to get that out there. Cause I just, the last couple of years, I've just, uh, been experimenting with different stuff and it really fucking works. Um, my Listen neighbors all Monsanto supporter. <laughs> my neighbors all uh, all like organic shit, and she brought mm-hmm. over one day this uh, organic mosquito repellent. Yeah, it didn't fucking work because it's organic. It's like some sort of uh, catnip mint shit. They don't care about that stuff. You gotta poison those motherfuckers. That's all I'm saying. I I don't I'm just speechless. I don't even know what to say. You know, I feel like you have to take every step you can to just offend everybody. Like yeah, you're well, like, well, you know, I don't think somebody was offended today. Let me yeah. step here, up. Here are the hippie here's the hippie plants you can plant around your garden though to keep bugs out. Basil, lavender, lemongrass, catnip, marigolds, lemon balm, rosemary. Marigolds, I've got all those that's plants the ones in the garden. That's what right. I got. All right. right. I've got all those growing all over my yard and shit but they don't work half as well as just spraying fucking pesticide on everything. And, you know, most of those pesticides uh, basically evaporate off within about four hours. You're going to kill everything. And then four or five hours later, it's fine. It's completely safe to be out there. So don't be scared of the pesticides. And then you're going to put that in your mouth, Kevin. You're going to feed your babies that kind of shit. So I'm just saying, you know, to eat your own. And no, I'm not all hippie organic stuff, but you know, teach his own, right? Let's uh, let, let's go with that. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, that's what I got today, though. So, you know, hey, get out there, put your hands in the dirt. Maybe if you are one of those hippies, you can go out there barefoot, be grounded for a little while, change mm-hmm. your whole uh, outlook on life. So, with go. that, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm.